The Start On Demand. On demand. Today, we spent a lot of time talking about pre-pandemic behaviors, specifically the pre-pandemic behaviors that you do not want to go back to. Short supply. What is going on with the supply chain crisis around the world, and what is the impact going to be during the holiday season? The Winnipeg Blue Bombers destroyed the BC Lions over the weekend. Total domination. Bob Irving joined us for our weekly sports chat. We spent a lot of time talking about just how good the Bombers are this year. And we had a big announcement today. Exciting news as it pertains to the 680 CJOB lineup. I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Monday, October 25th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. That's actually the reading at the Forks. The last few days we've been giving you the reading at the airport and the Forks uh, because the airport is often much colder, but it's actually zero at the airport right now, minus one at the Forks. So that's interesting. But that comes on the heels, Greg, of what, well, hey, you made a weather observation yesterday. What was that? Oh, it was gorgeous. Almost a perfect day yesterday. For this time of year, there wasn't a breath of wind. Nah, there was no sunshine, but a perfect day to be outside, working, raking the leaves, packing up the furniture, getting ready for winter. I'll concede that, but no, I thought it was an absolutely fantastic day yesterday. I went for a quick walk, like a half-hour stroll, and I thought, yeah, this is a nice day. I might have been, you know, I opted out to potentially go golfing yesterday. I was supposed to go, but my buddy couldn't make it, so I just thought, eh, I'll just try to sleep in and... uh Enjoy the weather for what it was. But then Loren came in, guns blazing, saying, "You're come on, guys. You're both wrong. It was <laughs> gross. I didn't like it. I was annoyed. It's cold. I admittedly, like, I had a great weekend. had a ton of fun with family and friends and all the rest. But spent also a couple hours, both Saturday and Sunday, in the rink. And then you come out of the rink, and it's cold in the rink, and it's cold out of the rink. And I just, I am not having your, it's a fresh fall day kind of feeling. You know, that's all. You're wrong. <laughs> Fine. So much for easy going, Loren. Yesterday yeah, afternoon, that went out the window what, real quick. That's what people say about me all the time. She's so easy going. <laughs> so, hey, the weather, we had a decent day-ish, depending on your perspective. <laughs> but uh, speaking of weather, Loren, I think over the weekend, we all heard a term that either we haven't heard in a, before or maybe haven't heard in a while, bomb cyclone. Yeah, I, I feel like we have heard this before, but when I was seeing the different alerts come across for this bomb cyclone that's been uh, approaching the West Coast in the States and also BC, where there's like these crazy wind warnings in some parts of the islands, you know, 70, 80, 90 kilometer winds and then flash flooding potentially coming to California. I just thought like, these names get like, why? Why is it called a bomb cyclone? Is it dropping that coming in that fast? Does anyone know? Well, yeah, they're calling it a river of precipitation moving in and just the the type because they don't have hurricanes necessarily, mm-hmm. you know, on the Pacific, they call it a cyclone. And so the amount of rain that apparently has been lined up across the Pacific Ocean that's going to fall on all the way from Northern California up to Alaska 
in a short period of time. Yeah, it's it's like a weather bomb. It's going to happen all at once. You know, they're talking like 300 millimeters on California, which of course has been suffering through some severe drought and relentless wildfires. So it's just one of those things where it's like, if it ain't one thing, it's the other. There's no happy medium. It goes from one extreme to the next, Greg. And of course, they've had those devastating wildfires over the years, which destroys vegetation, which can anchor the ground, the mud, the dirt, the soil, etc. And so they're bracing for all sorts of landslides and, and other repercussions uh, from this weather that would uh, be welcomed most often sure. because they've been in a, a drought situation for close to a decade in that part of North America. Uh, Lake Mead, look up uh, what's going on in that reservoir. Very important uh, part of the, uh, the the system, the water system for Los Angeles in particular, it is down to historically low levels. So that would all be good news, except it's going to bring some some other uh, nasty stuff, like I said, mudslides, landslides in particular. So uh, keep your eyes on California, but also Vancouver. I'm looking yeah, at the forecast the for wind. Vancouver. The wind, and it's basically supposed to rain in Vancouver for the next eight or nine days. Oh, wow. uh, which is great because I just booked a trip there, so that sounds good. <laughs> when, are, when do you head to BC? Within the next eight or nine days, if you really want to know. Yes, oh. I, I like to. I like to, you know, go from one extreme to the other. Why would I go there when it's nice, huh? No, the the wind that's coming there right now is is all wind we've dealt with before here on the prairies. Except for you, obviously, you have to remember that as it comes off the Pacific Ocean, it has a different kind of impact. So they already went through some really high winds. I think they call them Hurricane 2 type winds Thursday, Friday, and now more wind is coming in uh, today and tomorrow, and then, of course, the rain. So lots to watch for on the West Coast, and I guess we can be thankful that we're just having a typical, maybe atypical fall, because it's pretty decent. And when you talk about a bomb cyclone in Manitoba, Greg, uh, we certainly saw, not to make light of what's happening out West, but... That word could kind of work in conjunction with what happened Saturday at IG Field. Speaking of Vancouver, speaking of British Columbia, the Blue Bombers laid a smackdown on the Lions. And yes, of course, the Blue Bombers now 10-1. and They've clinched first place in the West for the first time since 1972. There's a bunch of qualifiers there that I won't get into because the Bombers have been in and out of the West Division several times over the course of that period of uh, history in the Canadian Football League. But for the first time since the Blue Bombers lost to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in the West Final in 1972, the Bombers will get to host the West Final coming up December 5th at IG Field. And speaking of weather, I've got some historical data um, that will ensure you are dressed very warmly yeah. if you decide to go to that game. Let's put it that way. I'm in trouble then. If I thought yesterday was meh, you're telling me December 5th. I really need to gear up for <laughs> Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb Saturday night at IG Field. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers clinched first place in the West Division. And when I, like, I will, I, had a weird sleep schedule this weekend and I woke up like halfway through the game and I turned I just checked my phone to see what the score was and I thought nothing like yeah. they are up to <laughs> and then when it finished with a 45 nothing win over the BC Lions the defending Grey Cup champs will host the Western Finals Sunday December 5th get your tickets now oh wait not now tomorrow morning when they go on sale to the general public at 10am if you have season tickets Loren you already have a ticket to the 
the game, but you can also purchase more seats before they go on sale to the general public, as I said, tomorrow at 10 a.m. You know, and I saw Bob Irving tweet that he's running out of words, running out of ways to describe this team. And so I think that's fair. You know, when you say they dominated and then you look at the score, like you said, Brett, with no points scored by BC, man, it was incredible. So we have to. We are not just obligated. We're not obligated at all. We want to play these sounds of the game. Hi, everybody, and welcome to IG Field. And Zach Kolaris calls for it in shotgun and fires into the end zone to Kenny Lawler. Blue Bomber touchdown. Lawler reaches high to pull that down. He's a little shaken up after that catch, but an outstanding grab by number 89. Ali Mortada out there to attempt the 32-yard convert with Sean McGuire holding. It's up and it's good, and the Blue Bombers jump out to a 7-0 lead. Olivera lines up to the right of Calaris, who fakes a handoff, fakes a throw, and then is Darvin Adams wide open. He's to the 55, the 50, the 40, the 35, the 30-yard line of BC. Darvin Adams with a big play. Falls over on the left, hash mark now. And back to pass is Zach Calaris. And into the end zone he goes, and it's caught for a touchdown by Rashid Bailey. Sean McGuire comes into the game. And he will hand it off to Brady Oliveira, and he's in for the Blue Bomber. Touchdown! Just straight and simple for Brady there. First and 10 Lions at their 45, back-to-back first downs. Five minutes left, third quarter, 23-0 Bombers. Here comes Alexander on a blitz, and it's intercepted. Willie Jefferson has a touchdown. He's to the 15, he's to the 10, he's dogging it, and he rolls into the end zone for the touchdown. Here's Calaris handing off to Johnny Augustine. Big hole, 40, 45, 50. Center field, BC 50, 40. Augustine, the 30, runs over a lion to the 23-yard line. Everybody's getting in on the act tonight. Johnny Augustine with a monster run. Zach Calaris back to pass into the end zone. Touchdown, Kenny Lawler, his second of the night. Janarian Grant, Bomber 48. Moves right, cuts it back inside the 40. Grant's gone. Touchdown. Janarian Grant on a punt return. And he made it look so easy. Look at their advertising the Western Final. It's up on the board now. Western Final, 3.30, Sunday, December 5th at IG Field. So the start bl- talking, Greg. Okay, so the Blue Bombers enter the bye week with a 10-1 and record. Three regular season games left to play. How they manage those games will be a big topic of discussion for Bob Irving and Mike O'Shea on the coaches' show tonight between 7 and 8. And, of course, Loren, Bob Irving joins us following Global News at 8.30 with Jeff Braun. You must have just been beyond thrilled. Like, I was thinking what a perfect weekend. We each had different reasons why we had a great weekend. And uh, December 5th is the date to I now, Greg. And uh, it will be a lovely Winnipeg December. Well, let's just take a look. I've done some math this morning. Since 2001, the mean temperature on December 5th is minus 7 degrees Celsius. It ranges, get this, minus 19, the coldest December 5th, we've had in the last 20 years, four degrees, the warmest. In fact, that plus four temperature was last year. 
10 times the temperature was between minus 10 and zero. Eight times the temperature was minus 10 or colder. Twice the temperature was zero or above. So uh, plan your wardrobe accordingly now. And then, you know, you don't have to worry about it then. It's going to be cold. We should embrace it. We should wear it like a badge of honor. And, uh, you know, the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field is a place that's always been tough to play in January in the National Football League. So let's uh, show the rest of the league, A, how tough we are as fans. And let's give the Blue Bombers an historic sellout crowd to, you know, defend this historic season that they're providing. It's absolutely uh, unbelievable what the Blue Bombers are doing. Well, it's historic just under the fact that it's, CFL in December. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. This might be the only time this happens. So get out there and enjoy it. It's going to be cold, but who cares? Bombers. Brace it. Western final, baby. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb coming up just after Global News at 7 o'clock. Loren, we're just going to check in with Cynthia Carr. Yeah, well, we want to take a look at what's going on in Saskatchewan as military support is on the way to that province. But also today marks two weeks post-Thanksgiving here in Manitoba. And so as we look at the numbers, are we in the clear, so to speak, when it comes to the impact any gatherings might have had on that weekend? And and what are we watching for here? Because certainly the picture is so different just west of us. And and we're trying to get a sense of when might we think we're um, maybe in a potentially better situation now. So we'll have that chat after 7. And a reminder that at 8.05, we have an exciting announcement to share with you. And in our next segment, we're going to tell you how you can win passes for Celebrations Dinner Theatre's production of Night at the Museum of Rockstars, which is running now until November 14th. But, Greg, yesterday you, I think it was you who found this, uh, an an article uh, from BuzzFeed, And the headline here, people are sharing the one pre-COVID-19 thing they're not doing again. And I think all of us will agree with them. Uh, For example, this uh, the writer puts the sub headline. I think we all agree. Nobody wants to commute five days a week anymore. I think we're hearing that from a lot of folks. And I think there's a lot of things in this article that have been listed out that you know, for better or worse, uh, people are either looking forward to not happening uh, again or sort of demanding that they don't happen again. You know, uh, there are some things that I'm going to miss that are on this list. But uh, like, um, how about this one? Treat my job title like it's my family name. I think that work-life balance a conscientiousness surrounding it has really appeared, not for everyone, of course, but for a lot of folks, this has given them an opportunity to reevaluate uh, where work fits into their life and that work-life balance, Loren. And I think that's part of the reason why we're seeing shortages in so many industries. People have gone, ah, you know what, I'm tired of being married to my job. And I think that's why that commute. So the number one on the list, as you mentioned, Brett, was the idea that, you know, people are are if they don't have to, because some of those office jobs, here was the quote, commute to work one and a half hours each way, five days a week, so I can sit in my office and write emails and talk on the phone. (laughs) If that's your job and you're now working from home, it really doesn't make sense to you to think about going back to work. And because so many people in those office situations were at home, they might argue their work-life balance was better because they got back a couple hours a day in that drive or might have been able to, you know, in between the meetings, throw in a load of laundry or uh, quickly make the kids lunch or whatever it is, right? That makes you feel like you're having a better balanced situation. And so I, I think 
that one people might relate to depending on your job. Um, you mentioned the idea about no longer do you want to treat your job title like it's a family name. On this list for me is the one that I think about every time I go shopping now. Like I, I'm so... I want to keep those stickers on the floor that tell people to stay six feet back at me forever. Like it made you realize why were we all jamming into these lines, lining up, you know, whether it's Winners or the grocery store or whatever, where someone was just right behind you. Breathing down your neck. Yeah. Like I can smell what you had for lunch. Take a step (laughs) back, my friend. We're good. Like I think that one needs to stick around. I like the space that provides. Uh, We also talked about this one I love too. I mean, it's not like I had a ton of nightlife before. But the pandemic made me love staying at home on a Friday night. That's number 12 on the list. And it's true. You had, you had nothing else to do. And now we've been doing it for so long, you're like, I don't mind. Like, I don't have that FOMO, fear of missing out, because lots of people decided, hang on, I enjoy my downtime at the end of the week. Yeah, and that kind of ties in with number 10 as well, having a nonstop out all day, go, go, go schedule. I understand now why I was constantly feeling frustrated. I was completely burnt out. I had no me time. Now I don't make so many commitments to social events, work things, and extra stuff. I can't imagine ever stretching myself so thin again. I mean, look, it has been nice to be able to return to some sort of a social life where, you know, we can go to restaurants after work or we can go, uh, you know, we can just go out and be out in public with friends, but... Sometimes making those social commitments on the weekend can be exhausting. Like my Decembers typically are super fun months because because I'm single and have no commitments. All my friends are like, hey, Brett's not busy. So every Friday, Saturday in December, it's sort of like my annual Christmas drinks with whoever. And I look forward to those visits. But <laughs> but by the end of the month, I am dead because you have these commitments and I'm looking at the calendar it's like okay so on this Friday I'm going to see Mike and this Saturday I'm going to see Steve and this uh on the following Friday it's going to be uh, AJ and then after that it's, and it's like oh, good lord it's uh it's fun but it's just it's a lot Greg. there's no question about it that it's a lot and then you know for those of us with kids and activities uh, selfishly I know I've found myself Enjoying that extra time that I have. Uh, My chauffeur hat is very dusty. I like it dusty. I like it sort of hard to find. But over the last several weeks, it's been in full effect, at least a little bit more in comparison to the last 18, 19 months. It's not nearly what it was two years ago. However, I get the sense that that's coming back again. But at the same time, all these howevers and buts, we're trying to qualify the idea that I want to be a little bit more in charge of things, in charge of my schedule and making sure things don't get out of control because that balance was really, really nice. So, you know, we're going to continue this conversation in a moment. We're going to bring in Cam Poitras, Jeff Braun, back from Holidays, and Jeff Forte. And you can weigh in as well at 204-780-6868. Which pre-pandemic behaviors do you not want to return to? And maybe you've got a story. Like, for example, one of the things on this list is go to work sick. You ever gone to work sick and wondered, what the hell am I doing here? Why am I here? Why is nobody sending me home? Or maybe you've made... You've gone out of your way to alleviate that work-life stress, to give yourself a bit more balance. I know that for me, Loren, like with, with our job, you know, there is a perception, I think, that our job is from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. But given the various communication chains we have with our colleagues at Global News, we could potentially be working all day long sure. if we choose to. And I make the choice not to. I disable various notifications once I get out of work because that's my time. If I want to go golfing and I don't want to deal with emails, 
I'm not going to. Because otherwise I'm going to burn out and go insane, especially over the last few last 18 months. So send us a text. Join the I conversation. I need to lock my phone in a safe is what I should do from like <laughs> noon till 4 a.m. or something like that. Yeah, that could. I, you know what? Even when I just pick the phone up and chuck it in my bedroom and walk away from it, I feel like the stress. I can feel it washing away hmm. instantly. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we're having a conversation based on this uh, BuzzFeed article. They latched on to a Reddit thread where people were asking the question, you know, which pre-pandemic behaviors do you not wish to return to? And there's all kinds of, you know, stuff here that will make you stop and think, like go to work sick or feeling bad about calling in sick. Or uh, some people still want no contact delivery to be an option. So... Feel free to weigh in at 204-780-6868 because we do have stuff to give away. We have two tickets for Celebrations Dinner Theater's production of Night at the Museum of Rockstars, which is running now until November 14th. So if you've got a, a story of something that you used to do before the pandemic and maybe as you think about it, you kind of go, like, why did we ever do that? Like, for example, Loren, you talked about going to the doctor's office. Well, just going to the doctor's office without a mask on now just seems like something I'll never do again. You know, I, when you think about all the times you'd sit in that space and they'd be crowded and you'd coughing children and coughing adults and, and sneezing and fevers and you're like, we're all just sitting there hanging out together. It, it's gross. And so there's a couple times now where I've gone to the doctor where I've just sat in the parking lot and they text you when they're ready for you to come in, which I think is great if that if that's an option for everyone. I get that won't work for many people who are doing public transport or taking their bike or what have you. But I thought that was great. It limited my exposure. And I honestly don't know why I would go in one without a mask again. I just it seems like it's just a smart thing to do. Cameron Poitras. Well, I was listening, and uh, Loren, well, the one that I am the most happy about and the one that I want to stick around is, you know, don't, like when you're standing in the grocery store line and, you know, don't, you know, keep six feet back. Yeah. Well, there's any reason why you're you're anywhere close to me, you know what I mean? That one I, I really like. And as well, I... I don't think the sanitizer should ever go away. I think that in the front of every single store as you walk in, you should sanitize your hands. And I, I don't think that that should go anywhere. I think it's a good thing. I think it's just, it, you know, even when we're beyond this pandemic, hopefully, you know, uh, very, very shortly and probably not, but as, as, as quickly as we can probably be, hopefully get out of this thing. I, I think the sanitizer thing is, is a good thing moving forward. I, 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 I like going in there, sanitizing my hands. You know, there's people grabbing stuff all over the place. And I, I just think it's a good thing to, for that to stick around, too. Mackling, I know that buffet, the idea that of a buffet coming back might seem a little weird. But if, say, for example, the first thing at the buffet was hand sanitizer... Would you feel comfortable then getting in line and helping yourself? I got to think about that one because buffets, for as convenient as they are and uh, all that ooey-gooey goodness uh, displayed there, you know, the sneeze guard, uh, you know, eh, how effective is it? I don't know. I haven't done any research on it. But, yeah, I I think buffets, that's going to be tough. I think that's going to be really tough for people to feel comfortable. There will be, obviously, a group of people that'll be fine with it. I'm not sure I'm in that group. Yeah. For sure. But the one thing uh, I would like to see stick around and it touches on and connects to what Loren mentioned is the idea of how all of a sudden your doctor's appointments aren't stacked on top of one another. Uh, doctors are doing a really good job of separating. And uh, one of my boys had day surgery 
on Friday. And a shout out to uh, everyone at the uh, Children's Day Surgery Center. Um, yeah, normally there would be four or five or six kids waiting with their parents in the waiting room. Now just one parent allowed with your child, and it's super efficient. He went in exactly on time on Friday, and I think a lot of people are digging the on-time doctor's appointments. Jeff Braun. Uh, I'm with uh, Forte and, of course, Sting and the police saying it so well. Don't stand so close to me that... Uh, <laughs> That extra separation, just the elbow room in general, everywhere you go has been great. Waiting rooms, they're spacing out the chairs more and standing in line. A lot of the standing in line has shrunk to less than six feet of space already. But this, but people are still, you know, more likely to give you a bit more room. And I've just enjoyed that. So I'm down with that for the rest of my life, no problem. And I'll be first in line at the buffet. I, I don't care. It's worth it for all the extra free bread there. Just, yeah, I'm the, I'm the same way, Bron. They've done things in different restaurants and spaces, too, to help with that, right? They might have a person who just serves it to you rather than everyone touching the utensils. And I was out for supper with girlfriends on Saturday night. We went to Hearth on St. Anne's, which is a great – we had a great server. Giovanni was a great night. But they had these, like, plastic partitions between the tables that I also enjoyed, where it made made us feel like we were in our own little private – booth but I also just provide I, I thought it was great and i was like i hope that never goes away now it made us think we were in a private booth and i think you know it's not a sound protection barrier so like we were loud thinking we're in our own space but <laughs> but i thought it was cool like i i think that those kinds of things they paid for it already a lot of that stuff might just stay 40 uh, i'm gonna go with what cam said and uh, about sanitizing your hands except when i get home the first thing i do is i wash my hands uh, my bathroom sink is right beside the front doors so it's very very easy that's something i'm going to continue to do because it's just all the surfaces that you touch and i take the bus and uh you know it's not exactly the cleanest place but uh and another thing on the bus is uh nobody really sits beside each other anymore which is pretty nice well at least when i take the bus which is in the afternoon so it's not that busy so that's something that, that i like to see Jets report with Kelly coming up in 30 seconds, Greg and Loren. But before that, 204-780-6868. So join the conversation. Which pre-pandemic behaviors do you hope don't come back once this is all said and done? Or at least said and normal-ish. I guess you can't really say done. But uh, And if you got a story that you want to share about something like that you can't believe was a thing that we used to do, or maybe there's something that you miss that you hope comes back in some form or fashion like i would like to see handshakes come back in a limited form or fashion but i know that a lot of people might not be down with that so tell us a story 204-780-6868 mackling mcgarry and mcnab we are asking you which pre-covid 19 thing are you not doing again for a chance to win Two tickets for Celebrations Dinner Theater's production of Night at the Museum of Rockstars. And the text's coming in fast and furious. We appreciate your feedback. For example, Greg, Sean, with an interesting uh, perspective on going to the gym. I like this one a lot myself. Good morning. I don't miss packing into a fitness class. Space is limited now. This not only requires me to book my spot ahead of time, it also seems to encourage me getting to my class. That's interesting. Lorraine, yes. Do you think that that uh, kind of, you know, the fact that you would have to book it ahead of time and knowing that space is limited would make it more difficult to 
decided to just not go. Well, I like some of the things that have bookings to them because then you know you are getting into them and you're not racing to get there and stand in line or that kind of thing. And there might be events that you go to now where you book a time slot, right, from one to three, and then you have to be out by three so the next group can come in because of capacity. So there are, like, some of it I like because then you know – you know you're going to it. It's not just it might happen, but it will happen. On the other hand, I mean, some of these rules for businesses have been really, really tough, and it impacts their bottom line. And so there has to be that balance there. But I, I also like Tracy's. Tracy texted to say that I work in public, and I love the math. I'm tired of people coughing, sneezing, and coming out to run errands when they're not well. My staff and I have been healthier this year due to this layer of protection. Keep your germs to yourself, Manitoba. So that's from Tracy, just thinking that for her it's made sense, whereas we had another educator texting Greg to say he hopes the masks go away soon just because for the kids, he finds it hard. He's missing seeing their smiling faces. And that connection. I think, uh, you know, anytime that you're in the same room with somebody smiling with your eyes, you're trying very hard to portray if you're ch- exchanging a glance or something that would normally uh, be very easy for you to convey how you're feeling about what they've done for you or what you're doing for them from across the room, perhaps. Uh, yeah, a smile is an easy way to go, but now you have to be so conscientious about about smiling with your eyes and letting people know that, hey, it's all good, it's cool. Maybe more hand gestures uh, when people stop for you, maybe at the grocery store to let you cross at the pedestrian crosswalk, those sorts of things uh, where a smile was such commonplace. Yeah, we're gonna be given that I have uh, the resting Brett face at all times anyway. Even now that I'm wearing now that I'm wearing a mask, even though I might be smiling underneath, I don't think that gets conveyed with my eyes. So <laughs> for the hand gestures, I guess I need to do like the sand people in Star Wars, where I just like yes. throw my arms up in the air, <laughs> up and down, up and down, just to express some form of like, "Hello, well, I'm happy to see you." That was the thing with the Jets game on Thursday night. It was fun. It was great to be there, but I think people were feeling a bit it's subdued, right? Because you can't express yourself like normal and. There was a couple times I turned around to look at you, Brad, or Greg was in front of me, and I thought, like, I know everyone's having a good time, but you can't see it. Like, you can't tell if you're not actively standing up and high-fiving someone. Let us know what you think. 204-780-6868. The pre-pandemic behaviors are not going back to for a chance to win two tickets for celebrations, dinner theaters, night at the Museum of Rockstars. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, in a moment we're going to talk about the supply chain crisis and the impact that it's expected to have on the holiday season. But a reminder that we are asking you to share your pre-pandemic behaviors that you are not doing again. And this stems from a BuzzFeed article, which we have linked to our 680 CJOB Instagram story if you want to see the full list. Uh, But one of them that uh, really jumps out for me is go to work sick or feeling bad about calling in because I admit I am guilty as charged in days gone by. If I was sick, nothing like I would have to be very, very sick or physically incapable of doing my job. Like when I had strep throat and couldn't speak. Well, you can't really come to work and do and work on the radio if you can't speak. But if I had a cold, I came in and toughed it out and sounded like death. But uh, I still came in because I just was at part of that old school where if you're sick, you go to work. Well, that's got to change. So I'm curious to know what's going to happen the first time I catch a cold because, knock on wood, it's been over two years. So if you've had a cold, I guess let us know. That's another thing. I think I have one friend who's had a cold in the last 18 months. 
Um, so feel free to weigh in for a chance to get yourself some passes for celebrations, dinner theaters, production of night at the Museum of Rockstars. We're giving that away just after 9.15. But right now, have you been shopping lately? I noticed that favorite product of yours is in short supply. Well, perhaps that's a sign that says, or maybe there's a sign that says, sorry, we're out of stock on this item. Yeah, I've seen those in a few different grocery stores, just of different items I always get, and they just don't have them online. I've noticed shipping delays, and that could have an impact as we head into the holiday season. And so for the next few weeks, Global News is exploring the impacts of the supply chain delays. What will this mean for all of us? Why is this happening? And we're joined now by Erica Alini of Global News. Good morning, Erica. Good morning. So give us a sense. What are we talking about in terms of specific products that might be in short supply right now? It's uh, it's pretty pervasive, <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> It'd be easy to say what is not in short supply. <laughs> uh, but, uh, in terms of what I've heard, um, so furniture and appliances um, are a big one. Um, I am part of a few um, Facebook groups of people renovating in my neighborhood, and there are horror stories is people who've been using a single burner and a toaster to, uh, you know, make meals for months because the new range that they ordered is, is stuck. Um, you know, and so I have friends who um, have been waiting for a new bed for, you know, uh, over a month, uh, things like that. Um, toys, uh, depending on the brands, I've heard of uh, specific toys that, um, are stuck currently uh, in the in the supply chain, and so a number of retailers are saying, "Well, you might want to get your kids to or a letter to Santa earlier this year, so you can grab what they want now um, in case um, you know the the shelves are empty uh, earlier on." Um, it is you know, obviously vehicles. Uh, so we've we've had a shortage of new vehicles uh, for for quite a long time. Now we're hearing uh, about a shortage of um, tires. It really is quite pervasive. Erica, so what's exactly behind this short supply of so many items? Is you know, can we just say COVID? Or is there more to it? Um, so I would say we can say COVID. There's there's a little bit more to it, uh, but certainly I would say the pandemic is the big one. Um and if I were to sum it up uh, in, in, in very simple terms. Uh, what the main issue is that we're just ordering a lot more stuff than we did before the pandemic. We're spending, we're still spending less, uh, much less of our dollars on services. So going out, restaurants, movies, concerts, what have you. And we're just ordering a lot more things. Um, and so the supply chains are usually pretty nimble and they're struggling to um, handle this, uh, this surge in demand that's been lasting since the summer of last year. Any idea when this situation might end? Um, it's hard to say, uh, but uh, I, what I'm hearing is probably uh, sometime in mid-2022. So when we're talking about this, Erica, you know, we look at delays. Delays are one thing. And yeah, for sure, some of these are things we don't need. Some of them are things we do. Products break down. You need to replace them and you're waiting for that product to come in. Um, so in terms of time frames, are we talking about an average length of, you know, is it 20% longer taking on, you know, if something's four weeks, it's now eight weeks. What's the time delay that we're talking about? And is it is it as simple to say that you know that there's also going to be an increase in cost with regardless of what we're ordering? So for delays, I have not seen 
a general estimate of, you know, what's mm-hmm. the average delay. Um, I think it varies uh, significantly based on product, based on even who you're relying, who you're ordering from. I've heard weeks. I've heard more than six months. Um, in terms of costs, absolutely, this is also translating. The supply chain problems are a main factor feeding into the higher inflation that we're seeing now. Um, so we just got the numbers um, for September. Inflation in Canada was at 4.4%, the annual rate of inflation, um, and, and that was a 13-year high. Um, same, you know, similar things are going on um, in the U.S. right now, and it's because as these delays uh, compound, so are costs for companies. And this has been going on for a while. And initially, producers, you know, um, companies are very reluctant uh, to raise prices. Consumers <laughs> uh, don't react well to that. But it's been going on for so long that at this point, they're just passing it on to the consumer. Yeah, it's a big change for the business model, that just-in-time delivery where, you know, once you realize you're at a certain point of inventory, Walmart's the king of that, the automatic reordering for different things and then and then the shipping and everything just has to work in perfect concert with one another and and right now that's just out the window right erica absolutely the just-in-time model like one of the things we'd like to explore later on in the series is what's going to happen to that just-in-time model that you were talking about and we already saw, for example, um, so Toyota was uh, was very uh, big on on that model. It was kind of something that manufacturers, certainly automakers in North America, sort of um, imported from Japan as a model that uh, you know um, we copied a little bit uh, from from Japan. And and we saw in the pandemic uh, um, when we started to hear about the semiconductor uh, chip shortage. Um, so Toyota, ironically, was one of the auto manufacturers that was a little bit less impacted by that, at least initially, uh, because they had had the experience of the tsunami, which threw a huge wrench in their just-in-time model, and they started, you know, they tweaked that, and so they were at least at the beginning a little bit less vulnerable um, to to the disruptions of the pandemic. So I'm very curious to see um, how this plays out and whether we're going to see some uh, significant changes in uh, in how uh, we operate supply chains globally. Global's Erica Alini joining us live on 680 CJOB. Erica, thank you very much for this. Thank you. It's uh, 7.56, and she mentioned vehicles. And, yeah, like Greg and Loren, I remember when I got to tour that Birchwood Lexus a few months ago after they opened, mm-hmm. which on its own was fancy because, like, I have no business being in a Lexus dealership. I'm just looking at all these cars like, well, I can't afford that, can't afford that, can't afford that. But they talked about how the various sort of pegs on the, the pole for the, the supply chain, like even just making seats, like they might have the people who can treat the leather and put it on the seat, but if they don't have the leather, they can't have the seat. And if without a seat, you can't sell a car. So they are waiting for all kinds of various little things and that go into the car that just made it super frustrating oh, wow. uh, for them. So we, it's just uh, there are so many things of this supply chain issue that you don't even think about. Until you, but when they say it, you go, "Wow, yeah, that's got to be a problem for your mm. business." Hundred percent. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, as we've been telling you this morning, we have an exciting announcement to make. It is the final piece of the puzzle of our lineup on 680 CJOB pertaining to our mid-afternoon slot. 
that was once occupied by Hal Anderson Afternoons just weeks ago before he jumped onto the 10 to noon slot and launched Connecting Winnipeg, Loren. So, Brett, we are so pleased to tell you that starting Monday, November 1st, the Jim Toe Show makes its debut on 680 CJOB and with Tothy Tothtastic. There's a change coming to Jets at noon. Yeah, we offer greetings and salutations to the one and only Jim Toth. Jim, welcome back aboard the mothership. Greetings, salutations to all of you. And yes, it's, uh, I'm pretty excited for this. I'm uh, trying to continue my career and do it at all different time slots. So this will actually fill the afternoon one that I've never worked in. So I'm super excited and uh, I'm very, very excited to be back with all of you and the good people at 680 CGOB and Global News. Such great news, Jim. Talk a bit about what, how the show is going to work and the wide range of topics I know you'll be covering. Well, it's it's going to be news talk with a sports hybrid is how we're sort of uh, discussing it. Um, we sort of just went into this as we were filling in here and um, uh, taking some time uh, for Hal Slot and just uh, discussing news and, and, and mixing in some sports. I mean, that's what I've done my entire career, but also um, I'm very, uh, you know, involved with everything that's going on. And of course, we're in a pandemic and everything like that. So it just sort of involved to what we're calling it news talk with, with some sports mixed in. So whatever the news of the day is, and, and that's sort of how when uh, we've been filling in, I've been sort of lining up the show that way is what's going on today. What are people talking about? Um, whether it's transit safety, whether it's, you know, the COVID numbers, what's going on with hospital wait times and everything like that. And then I mix in some sports. I'm still a big sports guy, and and we follow it, and I'll be doing Jets at Noon with Cam and uh, also uh, been one of the analysts on the Jets game. So uh, that's my bread and butter, but I'm very excited to sort of expand uh, the forte, as they say, I guess, and uh, not Jeffrey Forte, but my own forte, and then just sort of go in that direction and, and sort of, have conversations much like Hal is doing, much like you you three are doing on the morning show and just continue the lineup throughout the day and, and maybe have a little fun while we're doing it in the afternoon. You touched on Jets at noon and just uh, just maybe clarify on that. So what's happening with Jets at noon with Cam Poitras? Well, I'm going to pick Cam up every morning. I got to bring him coffee and then I got to drive him right to the elevator, hold the door for him, and then I got to go park his Ferrari for him and then come join him for the show. Um, is what I've been told so far. But uh, they wanted to expand Jets at Noon, and, and Cam uh, has done a great show and a great job with all of that. And, and they came up with the idea of maybe having a co-host on it, and they asked me if I'd be interested in doing that. And then I said, well, that's up to Cam. And Cam, of course, said no way, so I had to buy him, like, cattle and, and, and a car and everything else. Cattle? It's finally going to work out. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's a, he's a meat eater, that guy. So we're just going to sit down for an hour, and we're, we're still discussing that, how it's going. But, I mean, obviously the Jets are a huge entity in town, just like the Bombers are, and we have the Bombers Coaches Show with Mike O'Shea and the 680 CGOB Sports Show with Christian O'Malley. But we're going to spend the entire hour talking just about the Jets and having guests on and, and uh, also the National Hockey League and what's going on that day, that week, as it's uh, a 24-7, 365 days a year now covering the NHL. So I'm looking forward to that, too, and I'm really happy to be jumping on with Cam. So... Go go ahead, Greg. No, this this whole idea, you know, you've been a sports broadcaster covering sports in our town for, can we say, a couple of decades? Because it, it's at least that long. It's unimaginable that you're you're that old or that advanced in years that you've been doing this for as long as you have been in our city. But talk about the opportunity to think think about and talk about stuff other than sports. 
Yeah, no, it's great because if you know me, and I know you three do, and and uh, we've had a lot of discussions, and I think my, my last time at 680 Joe B. Macklin, you and I and Keith McCullough would sit in the parking lot and almost have a show there after all our shows before going home. So I, I'm excited about it because I've, I've always felt that, you know, since I've come here and, and throughout my career, although I've been a sports guy, um, I began in cable television where I was the local sports guy and I was doing minor sports and, and everything like that. But then I'd also have to cover a city hall meeting, whatever community I was living in. I also had to, you know, do stories that mattered to the community and, and special projects and, and initiatives that would come up or, or if there was some things like uh, years and years and years ago, the flood was in this city. Well, well, I've done that with forest fires in BC for, for a month at a time and, and covering things like that. So I mean, we're no different, whether we're a sports person, a news person, whether we do weather and broadcasting, we're all part of the community and we all sort of know what's going on and we all we all have feelings about it. And that's the other part I like about what Hal Anderson's doing with connecting Winnipeg and what you three do is, is just have those conversations. So, I mean, I'm on the text line. We'll be using that. And we'll be asking for phone calls too, but just getting opinions on everything. And, and the other thing about it, guys, is, like I'm sort of just that citizen so far that that has a, had a sports job and 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 wondered about these things and voted in elections and wondered who was running and all that kind of stuff. But as we've gone through this, like when when that uh, elderly lady was stabbed on on transit, like I, I was just honest. I said I don't ride transit. I used to as a kid, but I mean, what is going on out there? And I was blown away by two days of phone calls of people telling stories and and getting their opinions so I, I think that's what it's all about it's just about having conversations and, and covering the news items and and talking some sports too i know that a lot of people go you know oh, i don't care about sports but when it comes down to it if you have a generally interesting story people care about it and lots of times when i've been filling in i'll have a guest on and, and somebody would text oh more sports but then after it was over they'd be like oh that, that was a sports story um, with human interest elements. So I'm glad I kept listening or something like that. So we're just trying to do that. What people do is have conversations and cover the community we live in. And let's be clear, when it comes to the sports scene in Winnipeg right now, is there a better time to talk about it? You, can't, you can be just an average casual fan or a non-fan, but what's happening right now with the Bombers and, of course, the Jets with fans back in the stands, I mean, it's an incredible time to be part of the city. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been on this for a while with the Bombers, Loren, that I think this is one of the greatest Bomber teams of all time, but also one of the greatest CFL defenses of all time. So so it's a great time for that. Everything's glorious with the Jets right now, except for the penalty kill. Let's be honest about that. So if we get that figured out, it looks like it'll go forward. But look, I think I've been saying all summer, I think the Jets are a top 10 team in the National Hockey League. So it's an exciting season for that. The Winnipeg Ites are undefeated and blowing teams away. Uh, the Bison's football team had a great comeback a couple of weeks ago in Edmonton, and, and they had another win uh, on the weekend. I, like it just, I mean, that's what I'm sort of about. Is and that's that's what I loved about my time um, doing cable TV was was just I got to get out and tell those kind of stories. Like, and and um, I'll reference a Joanne Kelly quote that taught me years ago that said, you know, it doesn't matter if it's sports, it doesn't matter if it's entertainment, it matters if it's an interesting story and whatever it's about, then it'll be, you know, sort of interesting to everybody else. And and that's what I've always found, and that's what I love, too. Like, I obviously, you love following your teams, you love following scores and all that, but I like the stories behind it and why something happened. And so we'll get into some of those discussions as well. But, yeah, you're right. It's a great time to be a sports fan in Winnipeg. And I think everybody in Winnipeg and Manitoba know those haven't always been around for, for periods of time. So I, I think that 
uh, Winnipeg sports fans are always waiting for that other shoe to drop, but this isn't one of those times. I think it's it's going to be a really good season for both teams and, and going forward uh, uh, for a couple of years as well. You're in that pocket where it's a great time to be a Winnipeg and, and Manitoba sports fan. Monday, November 1st, the Jim Toth Show makes its debut on 680 CJOB from 1 until 3, and Jim will be joining Cameron Poitras' co-host of Jets at Noon, which will now go for an hour. Jim, thank you very much for joining us, sir. Have yourself a good day. Thank you for having me on. I look forward to working closely for all of you. Coming up. For all yeah. of us. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. I can I use like a coffee delivery. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, a reminder that we have tickets to give away for Celebrations Dinner Theater's production of Night at the Museum of Rock Stars. Based on your text messages on which pre-pandemic behaviors will you not return to but if there is one that you would kind of like to return to like carol for example who says i really miss the saint vitel children's hospital book fair went every time and it was always jam-packed i don't really need more books but (laughs) amazon has been benefiting from the pandemic for sure and carol adds i would be kind of leery right now of being in such a big crowd at saint vitel but hopefully that is something that could come back because they always amassed so many books and did so many great things for the Children's Hospital, GMAC. Yeah, it was sort of a win-win-win situation. If you had books that were in good condition that you could donate, then you could get rid of them. And then, of course, the money that uh, was raised for the Children's Hospital Foundation of Manitoba, that's always a plus. That's always in short supply. And then if you're someone who likes to recycle, upcycle stuff, you can get... Uh, these great books for the fraction fraction of the cost that they cost brand new. So, uh, yeah, win, 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 absolutely. And that's a, a great reminder of some of the things that we are missing right now, Carol. So thanks for sharing that with us, as always. We'll give away those tickets just after 9.15. And in case you're just tuning in and you missed the announcement just after 8 o'clock, Loren McNabb, who did we speak with after Global News at 8? Oh, the fabulous Jim Toth joined us at 8.07 to share the news that he is permanently joining CJOB. Of course, he will uh, share duties with Cameron Poitras, joining Cam from 12 to 1, uh, starting in November, where they expand the Jets show, Jets at Noon. And then, of course, Jim will be on in the afternoon. So noon to 1 with Cam, and then 1 to 3, the Jim Toth show launches Monday, November 1st. Great news. Exciting stuff, Jim Toth. Welcome home. But now we want to continue to talk about The Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who have first place in the West Division, all sewn up with three regular season games to go with their dominating, dominating win over the BC Lions on Saturday night at IG Field. Dominating, near perfect. Unique superlatives are becoming difficult to conjure, Brett. Uh, Doug Brown would call it complementary football, where all three aspects of the game appear to be working as one. Bob Irving, the voice of the Bombers, joins us now. And Bob, plenty of words we could use to describe the game the Blue and Gold played Saturday night. What's yours? Well, I just got an email from a listener who I correspond with regularly, and he used the word wow. So how about that wow, W-O-W? You run out of superlatives, Greg, to describe what's happening with the Bombers and going into even that game on Saturday night. You know, you thought maybe BC could rally and, and uh, throw a scare into the Bombers. Michael Riley might single-handedly have a great game and their defense would play better than they did the last time they played the Bombers. Well, none of that happened. 45 nothing says it all. I watched the interviews with 
BC head coach Rick Campbell and Michael Riley after the game, and they looked shell-shocked. They really did. They just, like, what hit us? What the heck hit us? Well, the Blue Bombers hit you like they've been hitting everybody all season long, and it's uh, it's been quite the year. I, I don't even know what to say about it. They're just doing things that we haven't seen in the CFL, never mind from a Winnipeg team, but in the CFL for many, many years. And it's uh, it's amazing. It really is. Well, before the game, in the pregame show, we were discussing this historical nature of what the Blue Bomber defense in particular has done so far this season. And then they go out and pitch the first Blue Bomber shutout since, uh, I guess it was 2018, a 31-0 home field win over Saskatchewan. Shutouts in football are extremely rare, Bob. I don't need to tell you that. Like, what's next for this team to put an exclamation on on what they're doing other than winning that championship December 12th in Hamilton? Yeah, I think that's really what it boils down to now, Greg, is they've got the West Final here December the 5th. In the meantime, they have three more regular season games left to play. So we'll watch very closely how Mike O'Shea plays all that out in terms of maybe resting some players and spotting uh, backups in here and there. But they'd like to finish the season kind of the way they're going along now. Whether they'll be able to maintain that edge, uh, I think is a fairly significant question. But the game that matters now, the game that matters, and I know the coaches and players would say, wait a minute, they all matter. The game that matters really is the December 5th game when they host the West Final. And, uh, you know, then it's out of the Grey Cup if they can win that game at IG Field. So, uh, the next month is going to be quite intriguing, first of all, to see what the Bombers do with their lineup in the games they play, and secondly, to see who emerges then from either Saskatchewan or Calgary, mm-hmm. which it'll be one of those two that comes here for that West Final. So you talk about interesting to see what the Bombers will do. I mean, December 5th is a long ways away. We still, we're not in November yet, Bob. And so what does Michael Shea do? How does he approach this as coach? Are the players rested? Do they go all out? Do you try some new things? Like, what, what's the strategy? Well, he hasn't revealed that yet. I'll ask him about it tonight on the Coach Show at 7.05, Loren. And this is, I talked about it on our pregame show, and I've seen teams in the past who have clinched first place with a week or two left in the season. And there's a lot of different ways to attack this. You either keep playing most of your regulars and try to sort of keep your momentum and your winning ways going, or you sit down your quarterback, Zach Kolaris, for a game. And some of your key guys, you just don't put them on the field, even though players want to play and because there's a two-week break between the end of the regular season and that West Final anyway. So how Mike O'Shea handles this, and he's never had to handle it before. This is the first time as a head coach, although he's been at teams who've gone, gone through the, with teams who've gone through this, but he's never had as a head coach to make these decisions. So I expect he'll sort of, come somewhere down the middle Loren, and he'll he'll rest some players but I know Mike believes that you know you got to put your players out there and try to win every game you play so it's going to be very intriguing to see how he manages all this we can't skip over what the Jets did on Saturday night a 6-4 win over Nashville Mackling says every time we check the score it changed uh, second straight home ice win now five of a possible six points in their last three games whose play is standing out for you well, their offensive performances, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois off to a great start. Kyle Connors rolling up the points. I think the thing that would concern the Jets, although it's early, they've only played five games, they've given up 19 goals. Connor Ellibuck's goals against average is almost 4.00, which is frighteningly high. Uh, but it is early, and they do have a 500 record, 2-2-1, two, two so they 
kind of bounced back from that slow start. And, uh, you know, they're in good shape now as they head into the rest of the season. But they've got to get that goals against down unless they're going to win every game 6-4. to four, And I think most fans would love to see that. They, everybody likes goals, right? Uh, and I guess that game Saturday, although I was doing the football game, was, was wildly entertaining because there were 10 goals scored. I would drive Paul, Paul Maurice up the wall. But, uh, yeah, I, I think they've kind of stabled, stabilized themselves, the Jets have. But they've got to bring that goals against down. Well, we'll keep an eye on the Jets as they get back on the road. A three-game road trip to California this week. The Blue Bombers are off. But tonight, the coach joins you 7-8. till eight. Mike O'Shea, the coaches show, Bob Irving, and the head coach of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They'll take your questions. And I suspect at the top of the list will be, what do you do over the next three games? I'm not sure how much Coach O'Shea will give us, Bob, but uh, we'll advance in advance. Thank you for asking and doing your best to, to get what you can out of him. Well, he'll need some time to think about this and, and time to talk with his coaches and to the players. Mike O'Shea will talk to some of his key veteran players and ask them, what would you like to do? And he will factor that into his decision. Listen, let me mention one other, one other thing before I go, you guys. There's a hockey team here in Winnipeg mm-hmm. that is having a phenomenal year, and it's the Winnipeg Ice of the Western yes. Hockey League. They are 9-0. and They're 9-0, and and they've outscored their opponents 58-17. to And James Patrick, their head coach, has uh, you know, some of the brightest young stars in junior hockey in this country on that team. So a uh, tip of the hat to the Winnipeg Ice. And I was just yelling yes there because my kids went to their first game, oh, 10 days ago uh, when they played, uh, I think it was Regina. And it was the fabulous time, too. So there's lots of just so much fun to be had right now, Bob. Thanks for mentioning that. Yeah, no problem. They're, they're having a terrific year and they, they deserve, you know, it's hard to kind of fit them in with what the Bombers and Jets are doing, but they deserve a real salute. Bob Irving, he is going to be on tonight, 7 o'clock Coaches Show. Bob, thanks for joining us every Monday as always. Hey, my pleasure. You guys have a great day, everybody. And our question of the day at cjob.com. For credit aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992, visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. And the question has to do with the Bombers. Who would you like to see the Winnipeg Blue Bombers face in the CFL's Western Final on December 5th? Saskatchewan, Edmonton, Calgary, or BC? And look, as, as Bob mentioned, it's going to be Saskatchewan or Calgary likely. But, you know... Season's not over yet. Well, you had to give respect, right, to the other the other teams in the conversation. So yeah. uh, let's see what happens. I would like, you know, from a selfish standpoint, to see Saskatchewan come in here and, and then go home very, very sad. Well, you know what? Let me, I, let me just pull up the results here because I, I sort of suspect that's, I mean, who wouldn't want to see the Riders come here for the Western Final in terms of the rivalry? But you never know. But yes, uh, 48%. 49% say Saskatchewan. We've got 23% BC, 18 Edmonton, 10 Calgary. So a bit of a mixed bag mm-hmm. at cjob.com. We've also put that poll up on Twitter at 680CJOB. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, some Jet Set Satellite. Nice. Always gives me a little bit of boost. Thank you for that, Mr. Forte. Reminder, in our next segment, we are giving away two tickets to Celebrations Dinner Theater's production of Night at the Museum of Rockstars based on your text messages. Which pre-pandemic behavior are you not going back to? 204-780-6868. Last chance to get in is now because we're giving away those tickets in our next segment. But right now, we want to talk about how if you've got green clothes in your wardrobe... Today's a good day to wear them because today is 
Dwarfism Awareness Day, and green is the color of choice. It also means something else, Greg. Sure does. It means it's time for our annual visit with the president of the little people of Manitoba, Samantha Rayburn Trubeck. Good morning, Samantha. Good morning. How are you? Doing well. We bumped into one another on one of our favorite walks in North Kildonan a couple Sundays ago. So it was so wonderful to see you and to meet uh, other members of your family, Samantha. But the thing that jumps out for me today is the pandemic. How has it affected your ability to get the message out and, and to celebrate this Awareness Day? Obviously, last year was as different as they come. Yeah, I mean, it's a different last year and this year are different. We can't celebrate the way we want to. You know, typically I love coming into the studio and meeting with you folks. And, uh, you know, our group loves to get together this time of year and we just haven't been able to. Um, but the end is in sight. And hopefully next year, as, uh, you know, as our kids are vaccinated, we'll be able to celebrate together. I know you go out and you do such great work in the community, Samantha, just to educate and bring that awareness that is so crucial for everyone. And, and I know one of the big questions that you continue to get asked, your organization, Little People of Manitoba, is always asked is, how should we refer to someone with dwarfism? Well, I mean, typically, we always say we love to be referred to just by our names. But I mean, great terms are little person, LP, person with short stature, um, that, that kind of thing. The term to always avoid using is the term midget. It's grossly offensive to our community. Uh, it's inappropriate, derogatory. And it dates back to the mid-19th century during the height of the freak show era. So that's a word we definitely want to avoid and one we've worked very hard to try and eradicate. Well, indeed, we've been talking to you for several years now. And uh, back when we still had sports leagues that used the M word uh, in their the title of their league, that's changed now. Um, so having gone through those changes, have been advocating for those changes and, and even dealing with like, there was some pretty massive pushback from a lot of Manitobans. And they're like, why is this a big deal? That kind of thing. Um, but you saw it through. So how does it feel to have seen those changes be made? Oh, it feels amazing. Um, it, it feels amazing. There was a lot of pushback. There still is pushback. We're still hearing the word used and still having to educate, but it feels amazing. We're making great progress. You know, we live in the greatest province in Canada, and this province has been, the, the folks in this province have been so, so supportive to us. I think a lot of the pushback came, you know, from folks outside of uh, the province, and, uh, and we just, you know, we keep pushing on. So, Samantha, some people say we're as divided as we've ever been on, on certain situations. We don't need to go down that road of conversation. But, you know, I think there are, on the other hand, so many people working hard to break down um, the barriers to inclusivity. We're, I think, becoming more accepting of diversity and the differences that that one another may, may celebrate or, or have the burden to bear. Just talk about why uh, little people continue to be a target for mockery and, and maybe a, a personal situation, a personal story that you could share with us that, that indicates maybe we're not where we need to be yet. Or conversely, if you have a story that tells us we're on the right path, uh, I'd actually prefer to hear that one if you've got it. <laughs> I can give two. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I was at a comedy show a couple of weeks ago and the term midget was used and it was just one of those things where you're in the crowd and you're just, you just exhale and you're like, wow, I have a lot more work to do. And it's just a really awkward, uncomfortable, horrible 
feeling situation. Um, but on the other hand, I've heard stories recently, uh, um, and as recent as a couple weeks ago, where one of our younger members was in uh, the community riding her bike and shared a story about how one of the kids came up to her and had heard one of our talks a couple years ago and could recite like certain you know, could recite the good terminology and knew why not to say the M word or the midget. And, mm-hmm. and it was just a really meaningful exchange. And I think it was just kind of beautiful. Well, meaningful exchanges, I think, are what it's all about, Samantha. Just having yeah. people every day, you could just teach one person, you know, you're making headway on that one. And so, of course, today is Dwarfism Awareness Day, and you're asking people to also put on their green. So what's the green? Um, why is that important as part of this day? Yeah, so October 25th is actually um, the great actor Billy Barty. He's passed away, but he is the founder of Little People of America. He created all of this for us, this community. And uh, so October 25th is his birthday, which is why the day is so significant, and green was his favorite color. So we we do this to honor him. So if anybody listening right now wants to learn more or perhaps uh, get involved somehow, how do they do that, Samantha? Yeah, so our website is littlepeoplemanitoba.wordpress.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at LP Manitoba. And our email is lpmanitoba at gmail.com. So check us out. If you know someone that can be that can benefit from our organization, we'd love to meet them, love to talk to them, and just uh, help them get in contact with us. And we put up a list as well. Uh, some little people of Manitoba sent over some quick facts and, and uh, just some, some history notes that we've shared on our Instagram page. If you'd like to read those and learn more, just go to 680CJOB on Instagram. Samantha, thank you very much for the visit. We look forward to our annual chats. I love it. Thank you so much. And thank you for your allyship, all three of you. Samantha Rayburn Trubrick is president of Little People of Manitoba, joining us live on 680 CJOB. And I will point out uh, the mask that uh, she brought us a mask last year from Little People. And it's still one of the best ones I've got because it's got that little sort of clip in the nose. Yes. I just put mine on yesterday. Good for you. It's in my rotation as well. Yeah. So it's uh, that's handy in case you want to wear glasses or shades. Helps to dissipate some of that fog that happens. Mackling McGarry and McNabb, we've been talking this morning about this BuzzFeed article that uh, we found. The headline, people are sharing the one pre-COVID-19 thing they're not doing again. And you can read that story if you want. We've linked it to our 680CJOB Instagram uh, story. Like, for example, going into any public space while sick without a mask. If I have a cold and I got to nip over to the drugstore for some cough syrup or Kleenex, I'm 100% going to mask up. So that's something I think most of us can probably get down with. Um, But uh, we're giving away two passes for Celebrations Dinner Theater's production of Night at the Museum of Rockstars. And we got a couple of runners up here and then we'll pick our winner. But... I liked this one. Uh, just, I think what, I, what I've enjoyed of this conversation is the amount of perspective that uh, you've shared with us. Like this listener says, COVID made me realize how much I shop, how much time I spent in stores, and then ultimately how much time I could redirect to more beneficial activities. So I will not be going back to shopping four, time, four to five times a week for groceries and will continue my COVID practice of going once a week. It is actually refreshing. So just being more efficient with your time so that you can take that time and do stuff with, you know, for yourself, for your family, for whatever. Yeah, we had Lisa text to say she's 
going to keep her patience that she's just had to allow for more patience this year and she wants to hold on to that because uh just not getting so angry at the small stuff i think is cool and, and dennis texted to say my place of employment began to limit the amount of people who are allowed in the store it's been taking the customer's name down and then a staff is assigned to that customer it's literally controlled the chaos since we work in close approximate proximity with our customers i like the masks Dennis says he can't count how many times a customer has sneezed or coughed in my face and many didn't excuse themselves or apologize. I'm immune suppressed, he says, and I haven't had a cold or flu in two years. Have a super day, he adds. That is, yeah, that's a really good point, eh, Brett? It's great to hear that he hasn't had a cold or flu, and uh, I know that I haven't. But, if, yeah, if you're working in the public, um, of course, there are certain, you might be, okay with the mask. We had a few people come in here talking to say that they like the masks. And I also like the point that was made in the previous text to Loren on the perspective on the patience mm-hmm. on letting go of the small things. I think that's been my biggest takeaway from this pandemic. Like it has made, uh, we, you know, the TSN turning point, so to speak, yeah. right? They, like it, I, cause I used to get so, there's a reason why they say Brett smash. Cause I have a bad temper and the dumbest things would set me off. And I still get mad, but in general, things that used to bother me don't bother me anymore. Mm, Cool. Well, think about sick days, the conversation around sick days, and the fact that those might become a thing for more people, I think is good. And then, of course, holidays. And this ties into our conversation uh, that we had with our winner in the text message from Adam. And about holidays, I can remember in my late 20s, I got my first job where I actually got two weeks paid holiday. I didn't have to bank my 4% or whatever it was of holiday pay and then take a week off and then, can I have my holiday pay on my next check, please? <laughs> you know, uh, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a great thing. And so Adam, our winner, says, what pre-pandemic thing I'm not going back to? I'm not going back to never taking holidays. In my line of work, we don't get holidays. It sucks. Or at least I should say we don't get paid holidays like we might hear. If I'm lucky, I take a week off every three years. I've decided no more. I'm taking holidays, already booked Disney World for myself and my family for April 2022. Disney World, ho! Right on, Adam. That's going to be super fun. But in the meantime, you get to enjoy yourself, too. Tickets for celebrations, dinner theaters, production of Night at the Museum of Rock Stars. And we've got more of those passes to give away all week long on the start. Hey, thanks for listening to the Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.